Welcome to Kraken This Morning, a presentation of the Kraken Audio Network and Sports Radio 93.3 KJR-FM. Here's Mike Benton. Last game before the holiday break. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you. Mike Benton with you for Kraken This Morning on a Saturday, December 23rd. And for the end of the road trip here for now, the Kraken take on the Anaheim Ducks this evening. Honda Center is the place. Take note for a special start time. 5 p.m. Pacific. Hope you can be with us. Airtime coverage opening up 4.30. I'll join you from 32 Bar and Grill live at Kraken Community Iceplex. Of course, Everett and Al have the call from the booth out in Anaheim all across the Emerald Queen Casino Kraken Audio Network. And the Kraken trying to intensify their spot in the playoff conversation coming in five points back of the final wild card berth and with a record right now of 11, 14, and 9 and 31 points. The Ducks coming in. They have been struggling recently coming off a three nothing loss to Calgary their record at 12 and 20 with 24 points on the campaign through their first 32 games not just this evening's game that we anticipate but also expectations and anticipation rising for the upcoming winter classic New Year's Day at T-Mobile Park, the home of the Seattle Mariners, and we have a special guest joining us here on Kraken this morning, none other than Steve Mayer, the NHL's chief content officer, part of the brain trust here behind this Winter Classic event year after year. Steve's got some pretty important information here to share with us on how this thing gets built as far as the rink, the ambiance, and the memories that you may make, whether you're coming to watch it live or see it on TV while, of course, listening to our broadcast as well. But Steve, chock full of ideas. He'll share more with us here and what is going into this grand event in Seattle all coming up here on Kraken this morning. That plus Kent French, Ducks TV host on Valley Sports West, will be along with us as well, discussing more on the Ducks recent slide, how Greg Cronin, their head coach, is trying to help them work their way out of it. Plus, the impact of Troy Terry, now for the Ducks, ongoing now for 30 years as he looks to build his legacy as part of a seven-year contract extension. Join to the likes who have worn those Ducks colors of Ryan Getzlaff, Paul Correa, Tamu Solani, and more. Ken's got some pretty good memories. He'll share that with us in just a bit. Of course, again, Kent French and Steve Mayer to be along with us very, very shortly. Before we get to them, the Kraken last playing Wednesday off a spectacular 2-1 victory on the road over the Los Angeles Kings when they broke open a 1-0 game right here in period three. Here are your highlights and reaction from the booth. Kent written now. Along with Alexiak, he'll drop it off to Anderson. Tip puck knocked down, gloved down by Veneers. Throws it ahead, Everly. He'll catch it onside. Everly shoots. Scores! Jordan Everly stays onside. A breakaway from the blue line and in the Seattle Kraken. Take a 2-0 lead. Well, Matty Beneers picking up the puck just inside his own blue line. He knew Everly was back there in the neutral zone somewhere. He got, he got, he got his head up, found him on the far blue line, hit him with a great pass. Everly put a top shelf glove side. Dowdy, high slot, hounded by Tanev. Sends across Kempe toward the cage, knocked down. Yanni Gord out to Tanev. He'll bobble the puck. Brandon Tanev goes back into his own end. Seattle toward the empty goal, knocked down in the near side. LA out to center. There's the horn. The Seattle Kraken survive a late LA push. And they get the full two points here in division. A 2-1 win over the LA Kings, avenging last Saturday's shootout loss at home. Back alongside Al Kaniski, Everett Fitzhugh here with you. And Al, uh, some final thoughts before we get out of here on a big 
hard-fought 2-1 win in L.A. Yeah, big 2-1 win. Two points in regulation. Feels really good. They always talk about defense winning championships, and I, I hate the same because I'm an offensive guy. <laughs> but but here tonight, uh, Joey Decord play, played well enough to earn a shutout. Unfortunately, he doesn't because they didn't get the one goal on him. But that's where defense started tonight. You go four for four, perfect again yep. on the penalty kill. That's a big part of playing defense. So defense definitely getting it done here tonight. Jordan Everly gets his fourth goal of the season. He talked about players being put in positions that, hey, maybe they normally wouldn't be put in. You've got Tolman in killing penalties. You've got Matty yeah. out there killing penalties as well. And that next guy up, that next man up mentality really shining through this evening. Yeah, and, and he's right too. When 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 Canner comes back and Belmar comes back and they slot back into those positions, all those guys that have been filling those holes now have a game or game However, however many they, they play in those positions until those guys come back of experience and development they only get better all right steve mayer joins us now the nhl chief content officer ahead of the day i know that you can't either and we had a chat about a year ago when this news broke you've got big ideas for big events first off how much has seattle made an impression on you over the last 12 13 months here Seattle's a hockey town. I think that I never doubted it, but I, it, certainly the experience and the many times that we've been here proves that you know this is a this is a city that loves the game. I almost can't believe that this is a city that didn't have a team because I feel like it's just so natural. And you know we've watched how the community has taken to the Kraken. You know, you walk down the street, it's like every single person's got a, they got a jersey on, they got a hat on, they got a scarf on. Um, they love their hockey. You know, we, we sold tickets here at a record pace. It's going to be a, an amazing day, January 1st. A real celebration of now hockey in this region. And so we are looking forward to it and have looked forward to it from the day we announced it. What kind of pad do you want to walk mentally with how this is going to look, how this is going to feel based on the city and the locale that you're going to be in here for this thing? So uh, I, I would say that one of the first things that we do after we've been, you know, I guess announced that we, we have go, or go into a certain city, the first thing we do is say, all right, what is Seattle? And how do we show Seattle off to the rest of the world? Like, that's number one. And we start listing all the things, the landmarks, the traditions, you know, what are the characteristics that make Seattle unique? And then we start designing a feel that we feel from the second somebody who's watching on TV, when they tune on the TV and they watch the game, they're going to immediately know without us saying a word, oh, they're doing the game in Seattle. That's the most important thing. Like, if we can accomplish that, we've done our job. And But that's the fun part. I got to tell you, one of the coolest things is sitting in our rooms when we're creating the field design and just the, the ideas that bounce back and forth, the discussions that we have, the things that we put on a piece of paper and then we take it off, then we put something else on. You know, everybody loves to be creative and loves to come up with the ideas. It's my favorite part of what I do. Um, and it's, it's such a cool process. But in the end, you know, 
we have one goal, and that's to show the city to the rest of the world and make the city that we're in really proud of the game when it's done. And we hope, now that people see what it's going to look like, that we've done that in Seattle and that people will leave here really excited that we did we did this city well. I think you led me on to something here because we talk about how many times events like these will cater here to the average fan, the hardcore fan, but there's always a chance to reach the new fan. Yes. What have events like these done to teach you and the rest as far as what it takes to reach and connect with that new and curious fan? So I, I think you know this. Um, you know, this is a game that if you're a sports fan, you, you're going to tune into. You know, I, I have so many people come up to me and like, oh, I was flipping around on January 1st. I saw your game. And, and I realized they're just a, they're a football fan. They're a baseball fan. They, they, they are a sports fan, but our game caught their eye. See, I think that that's the uniqueness of the Winter Classic and the outdoor games. They catch people's eye. Like, it's not another game in an arena. Yeah. I'm not downplaying that because, as you know, all yeah. our games are important. Yeah. But this is so different looking in the feel. And, you know, and let's face it. 50,000 people watching a hockey game, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. So our goal also is to sort of do something that's going to catch people's eye. And, and then we, yeah, you just hope that you reel them in for a half a second. You know, you reel them in to watch the game to go, wow, hockey's pretty cool. And then maybe they'll watch the next cracking game and the next cracking game. And, you know, listen, there's a lot of competition out there. Just in Seattle, the, the weekend we're doing the Winter Classic, you've got an NFL game where I, I think the, the local team is going to be gunning for the playoffs. you got a college football playoff game that's going to be played right after our game. There's so much competition. You need to be able to cut through. You need to be able to do something different. And these outdoor games are just that. I loved how you use the phrase real amen based on where we are right now today <laughs> here on this afternoon. And we tossed a few scenarios around as far as the artistic theme that we're looking at right now. You mentioned before the possibility of incorporating pike place or the fish toss, now the nautical theme. And the renderings coming out stay pretty on brand with the Kraken identity and the scene of Seattle. I love the docks. I love the boathouse that you're putting TNT in as well. You have musical acts lined up, heart, Sir Mix a lot. They're a fit, they're Seattle based, but what made them the best fit for you? I think we worked hand in hand with Climate Pledge um, with regards to heart. Um, as everybody knows, heart is actually also playing New Year's Eve in mm -hmm. Climate Pledge. So we worked, and that's what we do a lot. We'll work with the, the team, the Seattle Kraken. We'll work with the arena. We'll work with the sports commissions in town. It's a very um, unified effort when we do a game like this. You gotta have everybody working together. Uh, otherwise, you know, I don't know how we get these yeah. done. And, and you also lean on the experts who are from the city. Like, what's going what's gonna to make the biggest impression? What's going to be unique? So Hart and then Sir Mix-a-Lot, being from Seattle, we just thought it would be fun, unique. Um, you're going to see the, the famous fish toss, which everybody, 
oh, Seattle, oh, <laughs> you know, and I don't know how sick you all are of hearing that, but we think it's really the cool. The Kraken do it for their own three stars of the game. Yeah. It's over and over and over, and they all love it. And you're going to see how we're going to do it, and I'm going to tell you it's going to be a bit different, and I'm not going to give away too much more, but it will be quite different and very unique, and, you know, it's all part of the show. You know, the, the, it's show. Like, let's face it, the, the, what goes on on that ice is so important. It's a regular season game, and we stay away from that. Once the puck is dropped, you're going to watch a hockey game and you're going to love it. But when the puck is out of play or when the, the play is now in an intermission, we turn on a lot of different things that you don't normally see at a hockey game. And we keep it going, and, you know, we hope we just entertain. Round of the corner of this conversation toward the finish line here. The roof, the goal is to keep it open. How much will it be into play? Um, it depends on the weather. It, it may not, you may not even know there's a roof if we have a beautiful day. Um, you know, we're going to plan to keep it open, and when I say open, wide open. But... You know, let's face it, we want this game to be played on schedule. And if there is an opportunity because of rain to close a slab to somewhat close, like we probably will make that decision. Um, you know, it's important to go off on schedule. Uh, there's, a, as I mentioned, a lot of other things that uh, folks in Washington and Seattle want to see. Yeah. Uh, so. You know, we're going to use it to its advantage. And the fact that we have it is certainly a huge advantage. It's not something that we get too often. And so, um, you know, we hope we don't use it, but it's nice that it's up there, that's for sure. Finally, when people walk away from being at this game or watching this game, what kind of lasting impression do you want to leave them with as far as New Year's Day in Seattle? First of all, Happy New Year. <laughs> I, I, I want people who leave any of our games to go, that's one of the greatest sporting events I've ever been at, mm. period. That's the goal. Um, that's what we strive for. We hear that a lot. It's definitely unique. It will be very different than going to Climate Pledge, and that is an incredible experience in itself. You know, that, that's the goal. Um, and, you, you know, listen, the home team, it helps if they cooperate. I, I have nothing to do with that. I, I, there's no script. I have no idea how the result will be. And believe me, when it's a home win, it is a better experience, I must admit. But, uh, you know, we just hope that we give people a thrill of a lifetime and a great way to start a new year. And we'll just drop the puck and see what happens then. Steve, thank you very much. A pleasure. All right, joining us now for a look from the other side is Kent French, TV host, longtime TV host for the Ducks on Bally Sports West. Joining us now on Kraken this morning, Frenchie and I go way back, even to the days of scouting the Angels Clubhouse and putting a mic in Derek Jeter's face. We could go on forever about that. That is for a separate podcast. 
Kent, my man, happy holidays. How are you, man? Happy holidays to you, Mike. Great to hear your voice. Great to talk to you. And yes, you certainly have some stories. That could probably be several podcasts, depending on how deep you want to get into the stories. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I'm so good that uh, you're finding success out in Seattle and uh, looking forward to the matchup, you know, against uh, the Anaheim Ducks. Should be a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you. It's been a fantastic job out here. Uh, a dream come true that uh, really serves a, a refreshed purpose every day. I'm sorry to miss you, but uh, looking forward to seeing you from the other side here from the TV end on this evening's game. The Ducks coming off a 3-0 loss here to the Flames, and the first concern as we jump into things is the health of Leo Carlson, who got tangled up with Mackenzie Weger. It didn't look good, and based on this recording, we await the news as far as what's next. So tying this into how the Ducks could miss him being out for how long that could be, what have we begun to see as far as the potential in Carlson this year? I think every time Leo touches the puck, something special is going to happen. Um, um, it was quickly, uh, you know, the the eyeball test um, was quickly saying, oh, my gosh, I think the Anaheim Ducks made the right pick at number two. And that's it against Adam Fendelli and what he's been able to do in Columbus. But uh, I think everyone was a little surprised by Leo. And I think the only reason they were surprised because, you know, he was an international prospect. He didn't get all the uh, fanfare out here playing in North America, playing in Michigan like until he did. Of course, Connor Bedard and what he did at the World Juniors and did everything prior to that. But, um, you know, we've been able to see Leo up close and personal and on the West Coast. You know, that's one thing is I don't think the, the hockey world gets to see what's going out here on the West Coast. You can probably relate to that based on just timing of game. And if you have uh, a star or a potential star, um, it's kind of the best kept secret in the National Hockey League. And I think when you look at Leo's numbers, um, he, he's on the Leo plan, as Pat Verbeek like to call it, Mike. And, yeah. and that's basically a combination of off-ice workout and live-action games to really let this young man develop. Uh, he's 6'3", 193. He's potentially going to be 6'4", 6'5", by the time it's all said and done. Um, when he gets the puck, he's, his strides and his skating are so impressive. His hands are impressive. And, and what I've heard even more so than that is is, you know, he's just got a confidence about him and a maturity. And one reason that Pat Verbeek went out and got him at the number two pick is I'm playing Sweden. And he's playing in these, uh, you know, adult leagues, if you will. He's playing against grown men and he was finding uh, incredible success. So uh, he's not intimidated by anything. Um, they're putting him in very difficult and high pressure situations on a daily basis every time he's on the ice and he's been coming through. So uh, certainly, I'll be honest, I, I woke up a couple times last night, little turns. Um, you know, it's just, you just hope for the best for this young man who turns 20, you know, in a couple, in about a week. Um, and I'm just, uh, we're crossing our fingers. He's, he's, such, he's so beloved in the clubhouse by his teammates. I hear nothing but tremendous things from staff and in my um you know my time with them he's been terrific been able to sit behind him on the on the charters on the short time i have traveled with the team and he's just a, a great young man to talk to and he's got a you know incredible hockey iq and uh, yeah we're just keeping our fingers crossed right now because you know this team has been hampered by injuries to the young stars we just got i mean the irony of this of this game mike is that you know against uh, calgary we got Danny drysdale back we got yeah. he missed 29 games he only played the first two games this season we got mason McTavish back who missed seven um, with an upper body. So all of a sudden it looks like we might be getting some of these guys back and see what they can do playing together, right? Like this is the young core of the team that we're going to see for years in Anaheim. Uh, and Trevor Zegers, he's missed 20. We're looking for him to, he's been skating with the team and we'll practice. So we're crossing our fingers that he'll be back. So just, just, and it's a blow to the team, like uh, emotionally, you can see it on the ice in the third period when he's helped off the ice, could put, you know, pressure on one of his, one of his legs. It's just, um, you know, again, just, yeah, maybe 
you can hear it in my voice, but just all of us are just hopeful for that. Such a, a great guy, and he means so much to the team and to the players on the team um, that we just, we, like again, I'm, I'm a broken record, but we hope for the best and hope he's out on the ice sometime soon. Yeah, certainly hoping here for the best for him from uh, these parts as well. And you touched on those key injuries at play as well. Jamie Drysdale back, Mason McTavish back, who taken also one pick after Matty Beneers in his draft. Uh, touching more on this, Drysdale and McTavish, young, but plenty of highway ahead for them. What place do they have here in the grand scope of the Ducks' long-term future? I'll start with Mason McTavish at 20 years old. He just continues to get better every game. And, and the guys have joked around, but it's almost like it's spot on. They say he's a 20-year-old and a 38-year-old body. I mean, this guy is, he's a, you know, a bull in the china shop out on the, on the ice. Nothing intimidates him. He plays with swagger. He plays with an edge. Um, and he gets in front of the net. He does the dirty thing. I mean, he's got high skill, but he still will do the things, uh, you know, pick up the quote-unquote greasy goals, the trash goals, what have you. He was the second leading scorer in the team to Frank Petrano prior to him um, going down with injury, and he's still the second leading scorer on the team. I mean, I, I we've had a tough time scoring goals. That's been well documented, but certainly it's so good to have him back. And, and he's found a home. Speaking of Petrano, he's, he's centering a line with Frank Petrano and Ryan Strom, and those guys, we had a graphic on the telecast um, during the our post-game show after Calgary, and it just showed, you know, what he has meant, not only to the team, but to those two guys in particular on that line. Like, that's become almost our number one line. Because um, based on the Leo plan, Leo Carlson was out of the lineup. He wasn't, should I say, he wasn't consistently in the lineup. So it was tough to create some chemistry on the, on the top line with uh, Troy Terry and Alex Lauren. So um, you had that second line. I think you'll probably see him play uh, against the Kraken in between Stroma of the Toronto. And uh, those guys have tremendous chemistry and, and really have become a number one line for us. So, um, yeah, he's he's got tremendous upside, continues to impress. Um, again, I think he was kind of, I don't want to call him an unknown, but, uh, you know, the number three overall pick, he certainly was someone that, um, you know, our scouting department highly, you know, regarded, and, and he's, he's just been tremendous. And, and we call him a rink rat because he's the first on the ice to practice, the last to leave. He loves the game. Um, and it's just, he's just, again, just a tremendous person and fun to be around, and he's really created chemistry with Jamie Drysdale and Trevor Zegers. I kind of call him the three amigos, the three musketeers. Those guys hang out a lot. So it's fun, fun to have them come up together. And, and with Drysdale, um, it's speed, it's skating, it's offense. Um, he is the quintessential offensive defenseman, and uh, he will bring that the puck up the ice and he was absolutely flying against Calgary and I just look for him to to continue that against the Kraken and, and um, you know after he signed the contract with us he missed training camp so he was only able to play the first two games of the season before he got hurt and he didn't really have a training camp and he was he's put on some muscle you could you know he's not tall in stature but he's starting to fill out again another young man on the team and uh, yeah I, it's just the offensive upside I think what I'm excited about him um, and he was putting the puck at the net he was aggressive and when he starts to find his you know his groove if you will um, now that he's back the lineup. I look for good things. He's playing on the top pairing with Cam Fowler right now. Those two guys are both offensive defensemen. They can move the puck. They can skate. Um, yeah, it's going to be a dynamic pairing once he, uh, once he finds his footing. Once upon a time, the Ducks were cruising to begin the season and in the playoff picture, but just three wins last 17 games under new head coach Greg Cronin. So, Frenchie, what defines his greatest challenge to right this ship as we get closer to New Year's Day and the halfway pole, which isn't too far away? You know, I 
It's, it's a good question. I think more so it's just because there's a plan, right, that Pat for Beak is put into play and it's creating a culture and it is growing and learning and becoming better players and better teammates. And that doesn't always equate to wins. And I think that's been a diff- that difficult for a rookie head coach to come in. And by the way, um, Greg Ronin has is, is got all the respect in the world from his um, from his players. Everything that I can see has been positive. I mean, he's got 36 years of development and hockey experience. He comes from his last 10 years with the, uh, the AHL um, in Colorado. So he was able to, you know, a funnel for those those guys going to the Avs when they won the Cup. So he's got a lot of experience teaching uh, young guys. He actually was he was co-creator of the uh, U.S. Development Program. So, I mean, he's he's been around for a long, long time. He's finally getting a chance to coach, be a head coach at the NHL level. And he is a teacher. He walks the line of being this disciplinarian slash, you know, player's coach, which I think you have to do. Um, you know, in this in this NHL today, yeah. Um, but it, yeah, his challenge is keeping it on the right track. I mean, going through you know these stretches where you know you're not you're finding positives, but you know you you want to win, and all these players come from winning cultures, um, from the veterans down to the rookie, and it's keeping everybody on the track, keeping them moving in the right direction, keeping it positive in in the uh, dressing room. Um, I think that's the challenge, and that's what him and his coaching staff are going to have to do because um, right now in the season you're going to have more, um, you know, more valleys than peaks. And I think that's something that's going to be a challenge. And now with Leo, not knowing what's happening with him is really keep things positive and keep things moving forward. Um, so yeah, that's, I think right now is going to be the biggest challenge for him. Ken French joining us again here on Kraken this morning. He is a TV host for the Ducks on Bally Sports West. Let's talk Troy Terry, who seems to be a thorn in the Kraken side more often than not, but one point going 17 straight games without a goal after a hat trick he had back on November 1. He's got a seven-year extension, though, now set in place with a guy in Ryan Getzlaff moving out of the picture and into the heritage category here for this Ducks organization. Terry said he looks up to him. So for the years ahead, how much more can the bar be set as far as height for Troy Terry? Oh, I think it'd be set tremendously high for him. And I think part of what we're seeing is that Troy sets the bar for himself. You know what I mean? It's not it's not necessarily people setting the bar for Troy Terry. No one cares more um, about this team, about the organization than Troy Terry. And just been able to get to know him over the years since he's been with the Anaheim Ducks. He is one of the most genuine people you'll meet. So that aside, you talk about the mental side of a game. If he's not producing, he takes it personally and puts it on his shoulders. And that's something that, you know, he's working through. He's got all the talent in the world. He's got a tremendous shot. It's one of those things we're trying to do too much. And sometimes we see it, and I don't know this for a fact, but, you know, anytime you sign a big deal, there is pressure on the athlete to perform, especially when when said athlete cares so much. So I think Troy Terry is one of those guys, too. He's just I think he's just trying to do too much. And what we've seen over the last, heading into uh, Calgary, before he got shut out, he had seven points in seven games. And when we had won two in a row, he had four points in those two games. So, um, And also, he won't say it, but, you know, going back to Leo real quick, he hasn't had a consistent um, centerman. Um, we've been going back and forth. Leo, uh, Z was there for a moment before he got hurt. We've seen Strom move up top. Adam Henrique has moved up top. So, yeah, it's been one of those things where um, trying to find consistency. And I think that's been, you know, again, he won't say it, but I think that's been a little bit of a, 
of an issue for him trying to find the, the consistency of playing with the same guys over and over again. I mean, you know, you mentioned Ryan Getzloff. You know, Terry got to play with Getze, and of course, you got the you know the best facilitator in the game at the time. You know, he was he was um, flourishing. So just needing to find that consistency on his line, and then just having the confidence to go out and just do what he does best, and not trying to do too much. So I have all the confidence in the world, and I would um, I won't quote anyone because I don't have any quotes to quote, but I would say that everyone agrees with me on this one that they're not concerned about Troy Terry. He's going to find his game. He's starting to come out of it right now. Um, yeah, and he's be a fixture for the Anaheim Ducks for years to come. And we're excited to have him for at least seven more years. Um, but yeah, Troy Terry is, uh, he's as advertised and will only continue to get better. Hey, Ken, finally, incredible here to fathom. 30 years for this Ducks organization now. Give me three players who have shaped this organization and what you appreciate about them. Um, well, I'm going to kick it off with EA Bear, and for many reasons, not only is he the original Mighty Duck, but he has become a friend, and I've been able to see the uh, game through his eyes, mm-hmm. and it's been a complete honor for me to be able to do that on a nightly basis on these Ducks broadcast. And for what these players came over, you know, in the expansion club in '93, um, you know, a lot of guys that you know were unprotected, not wanted, whatever you say, and they come together as a team in a new uh, market, Southern California. Um, it, it's really amazing when you look back, especially under the guise of me. Mike, or somebody, <laughs> I remember, you know, Tinkerbell, you know, on the screen, you know, with uh, whenever the Ducks scored a goal and, and uh, just the Disney umbrella. I mean, these guys dressed up as the Pirates of the Caribbean and yeah. went to Disneyland and, and all the things that, uh, I mean, fun, different, whatever it is, but they still went out there and they found a way to win. Um, so, and he was leading the charge, you know, and mind you, there were some nights when, you know, he had to stand on his head. You've seen John Gibson have to do it during this rebuilding stage, but he had to go out there and, and do whatever he could to, to keep the team in the game. So I truly respect what he did. And, and now, obviously, as a friend, it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Um, and then just, God, there's so many. Um, Tamu and Paul, I guess, you, I go right to them, yeah. obviously, because they're Hall of Famers. But uh, for what they meant, Korea, doing what he did coming over and being the first draft pick. Um, and, you know, taking on again this team and, and, and being, you know, a smaller guy, but coming over and then taking on wearing the C and just being this incredible dynamic player. And then you got Timu Solani coming over and those two guys, I mean, talk about, I would put them in the top five as the most dynamic, you know, duos in the in NHL history. I hear stories about what they used to do, I mean, in practice. Um, and just keep the puck away from people and make it look so easy and having so much fun, being so polar opposites in personality, the stories they have, the the friendship they have for one another. Um, I recently was able to have he, uh, Tame and Paul in the same room on a podcast, and it was just incredible amounts of fun. Mm. Just, I mean... Yeah, I mean, so yeah, it's tough. I know you say three. Um, I can't forget Jay Shear and what he did in 03 and in 07, yeah. you know, between the pipes and, of course, got Niedermeyer and what he was able to do is solidifying that role as captain, you know, um, during that run and his, you know, already having the cup under the belt and everything that he had done with Devils. Um, so yeah, and it goes on and on. And I think Chris Fonger will probably text me if I know my name. His physicality, I mean, I got to tell you, I used to walk on a plane in 07 and Pronger sat next to Niedermeyer. Again, two totally different personalities. Scotty was so quiet and reserved. And prongs would chirp everybody coming on the plane. And it was hilarious because Scotty, Scotty sat next to, well, you know, they're friends, but he was able to sit there and he didn't have to do anything because Pronger just talked to everyone and chirped everybody and he just could be in zone. It was, it was the funniest dynamic. Um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, uh, not to, you know, continue, not to go on and on and on, but, um, I'm looking forward. We're having legacy nights here, Mike. So we had the first legacy night, which was the first decade of, of the franchise. We just had that. Of course, he, Tamu and Paul were part of that. And then we're having the second legacy night. 
tonight, which is, uh, I think, January the 7th, which will be the cup run and the mm-hmm. cup team and, and people in that one. So we'll get to see some of the boys come back, Boshaman, Jiggy, um, you know, Travis Moan, Tammy Paulson, you know, uh, Andy McDonald. It goes on and on, the guys that hopefully we'll get to run into. So this has been a pleasure um, to be here for so long and get to see these guys come back. Um, and, yeah, so it, it's been great. Thanks for asking the question because I love talking about the Ducks history. Oh, the stories that you could tell, they could fit a book that is a length of the Grapes of Wrath. You've seen a ton. Thank you so much, my man. <laughs> Have a good show here for tonight, and we'll get you uh, back on soon one of these days. Sound good? Anytime, Mike. I appreciate it, and I'm my best to you in the family. Oh, thank you so much. Great stuff. Great stuff. Ken, thank you very much. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you, pals. The Kraken again looking to take their first matchup of the season. They'll face the Ducks four times this year. After tonight, nothing coming until March 26th when Anaheim pays a visit to Seattle, and they'll square off three more times and less than a month in Seattle again on the 28th to wrap up a two-game swing and the Kraken back to Anaheim on April 5th. Pretty important milestone tonight. A key part of the lineup since year one all set to hit another benchmark. Vancouver trying to clear. Kept alive. Morgan shot. Turned aside. The rebound. Bobbled by Tolvanen. Had a wide open net. Tolvanen to the near side. Morgan in front. Yanni Gord scores! Yanni Gord makes it a 3-2 Kraken lead. He went toward the net. Borgen in the right corner, threw it out in front, and Seattle regains the advantage. 15-41 left here in the third. Well, the Kraken had a ton of pressure on that shift, and it was uh, Gord parked in front. Tolvanen fed it to him. He just had to do a redirect into the back of the net. Yanni Gord has game number 500 of his NHL career incoming. Quite a run for a player going undrafted and with two Stanley Cup rings. No signs this line going to be split up either. He centers Ellie Tolvanen and Oliver Bjorkstrand. They can generate good looks. Moneypuck.com, by the way, tells us they rank seventh in the NHL for shot quality. As far as everyone else, we'll keep our eye on the lineup. The Kraken would love to get leading goal scorer Jared McCann back 14 on the season. And he missed the game at Los Angeles with a lower body ailment currently ruled day to day. On the goaltending front, well, not many issues right there recently. Joey Decord coming in this evening. Save percentage of 9-11 so far this season. And ever since the month of December began, Decord carrying a 9-3-5 save percentage and 1-8-9 goals against average. He, of course, backed up by Chris Drieger on recall because Philip Grubauer is on IR. Drieger yet to make an appearance this season here for the Kraken and looking eventually to make his first NHL appearance since the regular season finale of two years ago. Hope you can join us once again for what should be a good one. Take note again, special start time, puck dropping a little past 5 p.m. Pacific, airtime 4.30 on the Emerald Queen Casino Kraken Audio Network, and we hope that you can join us as well. Big thank you to Steve Mayer of the NHL. Big thank you to Ken French on top of that. And for Kraken this morning, I'm Mike Benton. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and happy Saturday. You're home for the Kraken. Sports Radio 93.3, KJR-FM.